Well, if you have a Bible, we're going to be going through various passages today. Um, if you know, if you can remember, we uh, I mentioned that we're going to be starting a vision series over the next few weeks, just casting a vision of what it is that we as a church are called to be doing. What are we as individuals called to be doing? And this is a very important kind of uh, message. This is a very important kind of thing to have in our lives because, as you all know, it's really easy to get off track. Um, if you've ever um, really done any kind of project, whether it's yard work, whether it's cleaning your room, um, whether it's a project at work, if you don't have a clear vision of what it is you're supposed to be doing, it's really easy to get sidetracked and start doing things that you don't need to be doing um, or uh, doing anything that you may not need to do for that vision. So that's why it's important for us to always have in our minds, at the front of our minds, uh, in front of our eyes, a vision, uh, a vision that guides us and tells us what we're clearly to be doing um, and help us take the next step forward in whatever venture we're, we're going into. So this vision statement that I've kind of put together to bring before you um, is something I've been thinking through for a long time, um, mulling over in my mind. Um, and as you all know, I, I've tried to make it a point to talk about what I call um, expository preaching or um, a, 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 a exegetical preaching, which is this, that we base every sermon that comes from this pulpit should be the Lord's opinion, not mine. Um, if that were the case, then we would, we would definitely flounder. Um, so I've made it a point to say, hey, everything that was preached from this pulpit should be just me looking at the Bible, reading it to you, and then helping you see what's in the Bible. Um, not adding my own in. So what I want to be clear about is I hope um, as, as, you, as we go through this sermon and the sermons to come that you see that this vision is not something that I have uh, just made up uh, out of my own thin air, but is something that I've, I've looked at the scripture and said, hey, I think this statement is a distillation of what it's all about and um, what uh, we're here for what, why humans exist, why the church exists. So hopefully about this vision, you'll see that this vision is based on scripture. Second, I hope that you'll see that this vision is designed to just be a guiding statement to help us through any decisions we make, what kind of ministries we should or shouldn't be doing, um, what kind of things we should put our effort into and time and resources and what we shouldn't. So it's a guiding statement. And I hope it's a simple statement, one that um, one that is like I said, a distillation of all of Scripture, something simple that can be stuck in your mind, um, that's easily memorizable. Um, it's not a long paragraph or something like that. It's just a short, simple statement. And it's this. And maybe as you hear it, hopefully you'll be underwhelmed at how simple it is. Um, because it's just what I think the Bible is boiled down to. And it's this. The First Baptist Church is becoming more like Jesus together. Becoming more like Jesus together. And as we go through today and the next few weeks, I'm going to hopefully today cast a vision why I think that statement is a good summary of what the Bible is about. And then the next three weeks after that, we're going to look at how it is that we fulfill that vision statement, the three core principles that will guide us into fulfilling that. So becoming more like Jesus. So let's get into that statement. So let's first trace this idea of being like Jesus throughout the Bible. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start right at the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 27. And it simply says this. 
So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So right on the very first pages, after God created um, the crowning achievement of his creation, humans, he said that he made them in his image. In his image, in the image of God. What that means is, I think, if you follow right after that, it goes on to say not who the humans are, but more what they do. After that, it says they're to rule over the birds of the sea or birds of the air, fish of the sea, the livestock. They're to rule over the earth. So God created us in his image to act like him on earth. God created us in his image to act like him on earth. Now, while that does speak to our ability to reason and think logically, our ability to live in societies and interact with one another, I think that is part of being made in God's image. But I think it is um, secondary to what we are supposed to be doing as God's image. And that is to take his character, who he is, and spread it throughout all of the earth. That's what it says in those verses following that. Uh, It says to fill the earth and subdue it. So right on the very first pages, we are created in God's image to look like him and take that picture of who God is and spread it over the entire earth and to do it through the family. The very first institution God created through the family, through a group of people, we're to take God's picture, God's image, we're to represent him and spread it throughout the entire earth. That's what we're called to do. That's what we were actually made to do. It's what we are made for. Being like God is what we were made for. And being like God or being made in God's image, it's what God sends us for. It's what he made us for. And it's also what he sends us for. If you think of Matthew chapter 28, if you want to turn there, you can, but I'm going to read it to you as well. Matthew 28. Remember, it says all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I'm going to pause right there. That's what Jesus said after God spent the entire Old Testament saying, hey, I'm going to make people in my image. A few chapters later, we messed it up. We messed it up a few chapters later um, by being wanting to be our own king rather than have God as our king. We messed that up. So the whole Old Testament is the process of God bringing about his Messiah, his chosen one to fix what we had messed up. To restore us back to the image of God. And that's what through the law and the prophets and the history and the poetry of the Old Testament is God bringing about this Messiah. And then when Jesus steps onto the scene, he is God in human form. The very imprint of his nature, as the book of Hebrews says. It says that Jesus upholds the universe by the power of his word. Colossians says that he's the firstborn of all creation, uh, the exact image of God. So we see Jesus, when he comes onto the scene, he is that perfect image of God that we were meant to be. And then at the end of his life, after he had died sacrificially for our sins and risen from the dead to give us new life, he sends his disciples out. And what does he tell them to do? He says, go make people who look like me. That's what a disciple is. Simply put, it's somebody that's trying to be more like Jesus trying to become more like Jesus. And that is his guiding principle as he sent the church out, as he sent those 12 disciples out. That's what he said to do. Go make more disciples. You know, Jesus' ministry was not spent 
building large buildings and acquiring tons and tons of people. His ministry was spent investing in 12 guys, making disciples. That's what Jesus spent his life doing. Why should we think our lives should be spent on something grander than what Jesus did of making disciples? So as Jesus made disciples, he tells us to make disciples. So it's what God made us for was to look like him. And that's what Jesus sends us for is to help others look like him. And to think more about our salvation, it's what God saves us for. If you turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians is in the New Testament. Um, Back in the day, we learned from Bill and Pat, um, what do we say? Uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Go eat popcorn. Is that what it is? Go eat popcorn or something like that. Uh, Galatians, Ephesians, the second book in that, in that section, uh, looking at verses chapter 4, verse 20 through 24. And this is Paul, right? Remember, this is Paul after Jesus had come, lived on this earth, and sent his disciples out. Paul is writing to established churches, right? By this time when Paul's writing, it's going to look more like our setting. The people of God were gathering together like this on a weekly basis, And this letter would have been read out in a setting like this. And so this is what Paul says to a group of people who are a lot like you all. He says this in chapter 4, picking up in verse 20. But that's not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To, number one, put off the old, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new. So take off the old, put on the new. And what does he say about the new? Which is created after the likeness of God. That very language from the book of Genesis and kind of that language from from Matthew is being used here. Our new self, as we are saved, we're putting off the old self and putting on the new self. And that new self is after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That's what Paul is saying. Like, as we are becoming Christians, as we are, after we become Christians and as we're growing in the Lord, that process is simply this taking off the old stuff in our life that doesn't look like God and putting on the new stuff in our life that does look like Him. It's really simple. Take off the old, put on the new. And what does that new look like? It looks like God, created after the likeness of God. Go a few chapters, uh, a few books just before that in 2 Corinthians. We're going to look there. And this is actually what we read in our scripture together. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 through 18. And it says this. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is spirit. So we are being transformed into the same image of the Lord. Again, that same language of transformed into his image. And now one of the most glorious passages in all of Scripture, Romans 8. So if you want to turn there, Romans 8, verses 28 and 29. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 29. It says this, For we know that those who love God, for for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be 
conformed to the image of his son. You hear that language again, being transformed into God's image. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers or many brothers and sisters. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So you can see from the very first pages, we're made to look like God. We are saved to look like God. And we're sent out to help other people look like God. Specifically in that, that passage where Jesus sends us to look like Jesus. It's what we're made for, what we're saved for. And finally, it's what we hope for. First John 3, 2 says this, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So from start to finish, we're created to be like God. And then our hope is that one day when we finally see Jesus and we're truly free from the shackles of sin that drag us down, we're going to be like Jesus because we're going to finally see him as he is face to face. So I'm saying this is what the... All of creation, the reason you exist and have breath is that you might look like God. And the best picture of that is the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh. That's why I'm saying that we are called to become more like Jesus. That's the simplest way I think I can sum up all those verses that we look like, look at, that we are created to be like Jesus. And this theme, I think, catches this this catches the whole thrust of scripture. Being like Jesus is our goal. So I hope you can see in this, becoming or being conformed to the image of Christ is not just what fixes you. It's actually the foundation of who you're supposed to be. We can see uh, becoming a Christian and being saved as like, I was messed up and God fixed me. That's partly true for sure. But there's a whole nother world of realizing it's not just that Jesus fixes us. He actually puts us back to the way we were supposed to be in the beginning. Right. We were made to look like God. It's not just the fix. It's the foundation of who you are meant to be. And when you look like Jesus, you glorify God. And that's what it's all about. Glorifying God. When we look like Jesus, we glorify God. You can think of anything in your life, anything that you have, when it's used the way it's supposed to be used, that's when things go properly. For example, I always use this. If you have a cell phone, cell phones are great when you use them to call and text and access the internet. But if you were to use a cell phone as a softball, what would happen to that softball, Lexi? You would destroy it, right? She'd probably knock it out of the park. If you use a cell phone as a softball, it's going to get broken, But if you use a cell phone as a cell phone, it's going to do great things. In the same way, human beings are like that. We are made to do something specific. And any time that we divert from that, life will not be fulfilling. It won't be. Chasing after sin, living for your own wants and desires, living selfishly, trying to be your own king will always result in turning a cell phone into a softball. It's just not a good idea. But if we make that the goal of our life, to live the way God would have us live, to reflect his image, that's when we're not only glorifying God, which is all about him, it's actually the best thing for you too. So we shouldn't see Christianity as like 
just the, the, the most selfish, selfless thing we can do. Like everything's about God, nothing about us. The beauty is when we follow God, the more you make things about him, the better it is for you. The more you make things about yourself, the worse it is for you. One of my favorite pastors, um, John Piper, he talks about Christian hedonism. Hedonism is the teaching that um, everything you do should just be for your pleasure. And if it, if, if it makes you happy, then that's the right thing to do. Well, John Piper says, ironically, Christianity is about that. But it's, the, it's, 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 a, it's a more complex than that. It's that the more you make things about God, the better it is for you. That's why he makes a joke and says it's Christian hedonism. Really, the more you live for the Lord, the better off life is for you. Doesn't mean you have a lot of money. Doesn't mean you don't get sick. Doesn't mean uh, tough things don't happen to you. But what it means is the closer you're following the Lord, the better it will be going through those things. The stronger you'll be, the more people around you there'll be, the, the more you can see that as something that the Lord is using. So becoming more like Jesus glorifies God and benefits you. So that is the goal, being like Jesus. And notice it says becoming more like Jesus, not being like Jesus. That was very intentional, becoming more like Jesus, not being like Jesus. Because hopefully when we get saved, that process of being like Jesus starts. But I want us to realize that is a, that's a process that never ends. It begins when, we're, when we become Christians, and it doesn't end until we stand face to face with the Lord and see him as he is. And as we think about this, we have to realize growth happens at different rates for different people, right? If you've had, uh, if you've had kids, every kid that you had probably hit milestones at different points, right? Um, Eliza, she, she walked uh, at like 13 months. Judah walked at 12 months. Javen walked after that, right? Um, Eliza's starting to talk really early uh, compared to my kids, uh, but not for the other ones. So when we look at our kids, they grow at different rates. And in the same way, Christians grow at different rates. We're all, all going to become more like Jesus at a different rate. So we have to have patience with one another. But remember, as long as there's a progression forward, that's what it's all about. Becoming more like Jesus. Um, becoming more like Jesus. And it's never ending. And notice the last word that's tacked on to that statement, becoming more like Jesus together, together from the very first pages to the very end of the pages of the Bible. The the Bible speaks of God's people, a collection of people that God has called out to be like him from the very beginning. It was Adam and Eve. They were to fill the earth together. Right. As we have the chosen people of Israel, God called them out and they were together. As we get into the New Testament, it talks about the community of God and how um, we work together. Becoming more like Jesus is not truly possible unless you be connected to his church, unless you're part of his community working together. Your growth in the Lord will be hindered if you are not part of a church and vice versa. Hear this. If you're not part of a church, that church's growth will be hindered as well. We need people investing in this community of people to help us become more like Jesus. When you're here, we should help you become more like Jesus. And you should help us become more like Jesus. So as we say all these things about how this is our goal as a church, this is also your goal as an individual. This happens as a community and individually. 
So if this is what we're made to do, then everything that we should do should aim for Christ-likeness. If this is what we're created for, if this is our purpose, then everything we should do should aim for that purpose. So becoming more like Jesus is our, um, it is our purpose, and becoming more like Jesus should guide our decisions. So this statement should help us as a church think, okay, is this ministry that we're doing going to help us or people outside of this church become more like Jesus? In some way. And if it's not, then it shouldn't be something that we invest our time into. Vice versa, if there is a way that we can be helping people become like Jesus and we're forsaking that, then that should help us start that new ministry, that new work. This should guide us to tell us what it is that we should be doing. How is it that we can help people in this church and outside of this church become more like Jesus in a direct way? And again, that's individually and corporately. And then finally... Becoming more like Jesus, how do we do that? How is it that we're going to become more like Jesus? We're going to have three um, core principles that, that guide every gathering that we have. And they're these three things. Word, community, and mission. Word, community, and mission. So we become more like Jesus, number one, through his word. God has given us his word, and it's the way that we truly know who God is. Right? He chooses not to write his character in the sky, but to give it to us in a book. That's how we know who Jesus is, is by looking at his book. So we become more like Jesus through his word. You can see this is like an upward motion, right? Thinking of who God is, becoming more like him through his word. Second, within his community. And when I say community, I don't mean commerce. I mean the church, right? The local church gathering. You become more like Jesus when you're in the church. That's the best place. Um, you can make, uh, you could probably make a, a, an apple tree grow in South America, but it's going to be really tough. The soil's not made for it or whatever. You need that apple tree to be in a proper climate for it to grow properly. You could probably grow a palm tree out here um, on our front lawn, but it's not going to be the healthiest palm tree. The best setting, the best soil for a Christian to grow in is the local church. It's possible for somebody to be a Christian and not be part of a church. I don't mean church membership equals salvation, but I mean the best place for a Christian to grow is within the community of God amongst his people. So we grow through his word within his community and for his mission. As we become like Jesus, it's not just storing up, I guess you could think spiritual treasure for yourself. It's you're storing it up in such a way that you can go and hand it out. So you can reach out to people. So we, we think of up, we grow through his word, in, within his community, and out for his mission. Up, in, and out for his mission. So as we become more like Jesus, we're, our process of doing that is to join in with what he's doing. God's goal in all things is that we might be conformed to the image of Christ. So that's going to be our goal. That's what we need to be trying to do, both for ourselves and for the folks uh, within this town, the surrounding areas, to help them become more like Jesus. So as we close up this morning, I want you to think and, and, and ponder on what it would mean to, for you to look like Jesus. What would it look like for you to be the perfect reflection of Jesus? Think about how that would impact your family, your work life, your friendships, this church, what would it look like for you to look more like Jesus? And how might that impact the people around you? Think about what it would look like for people around you to look more like Jesus. And that would be a blessing 
if everyone was a selfless, forgiving, loving, um, holy person, that those are good people to be around. And by God's grace, that's what we want to be and become more and more are a group of people who gather week in, week out to say, how can we become more like Jesus and help other people do that? How can we better reflect God as he is revealed in his word and help others see that as well and grow as well? Because I promise the more that we reflect Christ, the more fulfilling our lives will be. The more we reflect Christ, the more fulfilling our lives will be, both individually as we leave this place and corporately as we gather together week in, week out. Let me pray for you.